lawyers are going to ensure that part of what they put is the uh, punitive cost, uh, as it were. But uh, just for the benefit of, of your viewers, can I just give you a, a, a bit of context? I'm going to just take a minute. I think the, the first thing uh, is that uh, there was a DA motion in terms of Section 194.1. Now, 194.1 talks to fitness to hold office. That's what the DA said. Uh, the motion, that was the motion of the DA. And the Speaker, and I'm just going to go bullet points so that we can finish quickly. The Speaker appoints a panel to look at this. The panel finds this prima facie evidence. The Speaker appoints what is called a Section 194 inquiry to establish fitness. Now, thereafter, then the Speaker writes to the President about this Section 194 uh, process. Then the President starts some suspension process of sorts. And then the Mkwana tells him that, uh, sir, it's uh, premature. Uh, for this, then, then the toing and following in that process. In the middle of that, uh, then Palapala happens. Then Mkwebane sends 31 questions to the president. And then the very next day, uh, the president suspends uh, the private protector and the code section 194, subsection 3. But when you look at 194, subsection 3, that requires removal proceedings, not fitness proceedings. As we speak here and now, the parliament is busy with fitness inquiry proceedings. And the fitness inquiry proceedings cannot be deemed to be removal proceedings because when you do that section, uh, that fitness proceeding, your answer can be yes or no. Uh, and therefore, you couldn't therefore deem that process a yes, a yes process or a no process. A yes process would then, a yes or a no process would mean keep or remove. So you couldn't uh, characterize the fitness inquiry is either of the two. So it's a non-aligned process. Now, for the president to, con- to, to, to construe that process as a removal process and therefore uh, triggering his power to suspend was actually wrong uh, in the first instance. And we've been trying to make this point. Kalega then accuses... Uh, okay, that's that's, that's the, 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 the key thing, uh, actually. And then Kalega now... Is, now now uh, the, the, the private protector is out then kicks in Kalega. Now, Kalega writes this letter that uh, we're talking about to the courts, and he says Mkwebane purported to be PPSA, a public protector of South Africa. Now, that is not true uh, in the first instance. Technically wrong. There is no such thing. Kalega says uh, also in his letter that she should have mandated the, uh, the lawyers uh, and all of that. And then she had not done that. Now, mm. in terms of the PFMA, the issue of mandating lawyers is an accounting officer issue. When you are a public protector, it's almost like a minister. You can't be there to be arguing that you should have approved a particular tender or some administrative thing. So that just shows mm. a lack of understanding of a, a, a public service. Yes. Mr. Money, then, if yeah, the letter, last point. Yes. Then, then Kalaga writes a statement. Uh, in her statements, she makes an imaginary structure called PPSA. There's no such a thing in the, in the Constitution or in the Public Protector Act as PPSA. No such a thing. Mm. In the same letter where she talks about uh, uh, PPSA, she signs up as an acting public protector of South Africa. Now the question is, who exactly is the power behind this imaginary PPSA? Okay, now, Mr. Manye, I can't go through all the points, unfortunately. But but if the letter is not withdrawn, will the ATM then assist Advocate Mkubani with her legal costs? Of course, most definitely, yes.